Awesome, Josh. That was cool. Thanks. Great conversation. I have. <laughs> yeah, we started going. I, I was like, oh, but I want to talk about that. Oh, but that. Oh, but that's great. I was Welcome like, I like I to was Car like, Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel. Here is your guide on this journey, Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast, the podcast that makes you a better car washer and a slightly better human being. I am your host as always, Matt DeWolf, Editor-in-Chief of Car Wash Magazine. Friends, today we are going to really deliver on that brand promise because we've got a special guest for you. Josh Linkner is going to be joining us. Uh, Josh is uh, a creative troublemaker. So I love that title. We're going to get into that a little bit, but he's a successful entrepreneur. Uh, he is a successful author. Uh, but most importantly, he comes to us with a framework for how we can continue to think differently in times when we really need it and we feel like we need to differentiate at all costs. So without further ado, joining me now is Josh Linkner. Josh, welcome. Matt, thanks so much. Great to be with you. Josh, so tell me about Creative Troublemaker. Like, I always wanted to make my own title for myself, and you have this this cool title. So tell me about that. You know, I've been fortunate to do a number of things over the years. I'm a venture capital investor and an author and and and, uh, and an entrepreneur, but I'm, I like the title of Creative Troublemaker better uh, because, first of all, people always say, well, what's that? This kind of yeah. start, starts a conversation. But to me, it's not making bad trouble. Obviously, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but it's more about challenging conventional wisdom, trying to take a look at the norms and, and, and obvious solutions and shake them up a bit. And when you think about those that really made history from Einstein and Dr. King and everywhere in between, these were troublemakers. They, they were... They, they had a disdain for the status quo and the establishment and tried to shake things up with some creativity. That's what I try to do both personally and professionally. Yeah, I love that. I mean, yeah, if no innovation has come along by, you know, a bunch of groupthink, right? Like somebody's a disruptor in that space for any real innovation to happen. So I think if, if uh, people don't think you're a little little off the, off the right track, then you're not probably doing it right. Um, so let's talk th about this a little bit, okay? So there's this there's this concept that um, you know you're either creative or you're not. Uh, I want to get into that in a minute, but before we go there, in the car wash industry, there's a lot of money coming in. We're in kind of early stages of uh, commoditization, and a lot of consolidator consolidator groups are coming in. And I think that for a lot of businesses who maybe aren't really ready to sell and and move on to the next thing they're really nervous about how can they differentiate. And so this pressure to like create and innovate and do new things is really, really intense right now. Are there some things that we can be doing to just kind of make sure that we, um, we give ourselves the space to think creatively? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you touched on a couple of things. I mean, the first, first of all, I've studied human creativity now for 20 plus years. I actually started my career 40 years ago as a jazz guitarist. So <laughs> I've, I've been immersed in sort of creative thinking. And I'll tell you this though, the research is very clear that all human beings, and I, you know, underline the word all, are, are creative. We, we are hardwired to be creative 
naturally. That's our natural state. Now, many of us don't think that way because we maybe don't play music or can't do yeah. dance or art, but but we can all be artists in our own field. We can be car wash artists, truthfully. And, and, and that actually can become a wonderful superpower that you actually don't need a bunch of money for. And it's funny, when you look at startups in Silicon Valley and such, you ever wonder why these big established companies are never the ones that innovate? It's these small, scrappy startups yeah. that don't have a bunch of resources that end up being even more creative. So I wouldn't think, you know, to, I think the answer to, to the independent car wash owner that is trying to fight back against maybe maybe some more well-funded competition, there's actually a beautiful opportunity to be very creative. In fact, in my most recent book, Big Little Breakthroughs, I really focus on the mindsets and habits and tactics of the most innovative people. And one of the mindsets, one of the eight mindsets that I cover, having studied innovators around the globe, is the concept called use every drop of toothpaste. Hmm. And it's sort of a playful way of being of saying being scrappy and resourceful. And it's odd, but sometimes when you are resource constrained, when you have less money, you actually become more creative. And, and often when you have all the money in the world, you actually deplete your creativity. So I'm not saying we don't want more resources, of course, but in the inevitable resource constrained situation, uh, actually, we might have even more opportunity to be creative, create competitive differentiation and drive sustainable success. I, lo I love that analogy. Although... Um... In our household, there's a constant battle around toothpaste and the right way to squeeze that tube, by the way, uh, <laughs> which I, which actually, when you think about it, it doesn't really matter uh, because to use your analogy, as long as you're using all the drops of the toothpaste, <laughs> you're in good shape. But it does, it definitely does make you think differently, right? If you're, if you have infinite resources, you don't have to be as creative. You don't have to think differently. You can just do things the way they've always been done. So I, I really like that analogy. One of my favorite superheroes, real quick, is uh, is MacGyver, yeah. and and I love him because <laughs> yeah. he, he doesn't have any superpowers. Like he can't fly, he has no X-ray vision, but MacGyver always managed to get the job done with like a roll of duct tape and a paper clip. <laughs> And the show is so successful that, that that's now part of the English language. And I wrote yeah. in the book that, that Oxford Dictionary defines MacGyvering as, as a verb to, to make or repair something in an improvised or inventive way, making use of whatever items are at hand. And I just love that. Like, why can't we all be MacGyvers in our car washes? Although there is a better definition that comes from the Urban Dictionary. They define MacGyvering as a noun, someone who can jumpstart a truck with a cactus. I just love that. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that's more like that's like more like uh, uh, MacGruber than MacGyver, right? I mean, <laughs> right. <MacGruber. laughs> um, oh, <laughs> all right. So, talk to me uh, now that we now that we know that we should all be better able to jumpstart a car with a cactus. That's fantastic. Um, talk to me a little bit about this big little breakthroughs kind of system. Like, I'm big on frameworks, and so I love any any kind of time that we have something we can kind of reference and use, and you know used to guide our thinking. Yeah, so uh, this is this is my fourth book and I really set out on an adventure. I spent uh, over a thousand hours interviewing CEOs and billionaires and celebrity entrepreneurs and even Grammy award-winning musicians. And I tried to answer this question, like how do the most innovative people think and act? And what I discovered is exactly the opposite of what you might guess. We think that innovators have these really high risk tolerances and every pitch they swing for the fences, they take these wild moonshots all the time, that they actually don't do that at all. Hmm. The best innovators cultivate what I call everyday innovation or big little breakthroughs these small micro innovations on a high frequency basis. And the reason that that's better is it's way more accessible to more people. You don't have to be the CEO to do it. So everybody can be an innovator. You, uh, you're taking way less risk per innovation. And, and those small wins really do add up to big wins while you're building skill at the same time. So to me, it's a much more pragmatic approach to, to driving creativity. And so what I did in terms of the framework is again, I studied like how do they think and act? What are their mindsets? And, and the book is organized 
into these eight core mindsets of everyday innovators. And they're, they're very portable. They don't require investment or years of study. They're, they're the opposite of what we've often been taught, but can be wildly effective immediately to drive meaningful progress. And so in addition to the mindsets, the, the book is sprinkled through with various tactics that sort of replace traditional brainstorming and give people the, the ability to spread their creative wings very quickly. So, so it's fascinating. You said in there, you know, a lot of little things add up to something big, basically. So walk me through that a little bit. I mean, there is this, this idea that, man, if, if I'm not creating the next Apple product or if I'm not, you know, creating the next uh, successful app or social space, that's not, I'm not innovative. I'm not really that innovative. But t can you give me some examples of some of the small things that people can kind of do that will add up to, to a big change? Sure. Yeah. So, so one of the things, I, I mean, there's dozens and dozens of stories in the book about, you know, entrepreneurs and people around the globe who've done creative things. Um, but, but there's a num number of them that come to mind. But what I think about the car wash industry reminds me a bit of the restaurant industry that it's, mm. you know, it's kind of hyper local. It's, um, it's, it, it's perceived anyway to be more of a commodity, lots of competition. Well, I learned that there's like 65,000 Chinese restaurants in North America. <laughs> so like a lot of car washes, hard to stand out and compete. Well, this one restaurant in Montreal um, did something that was really cool, a micro-innovation. So most restaurants are very boastful. They, their whole vibe is, you know, the best pizza in the world or New York City's number one best cup of coffee, that kind of thing. And everybody knows it's hyperbole. Everybody knows it's not, you know, actually, you know, accurate. So they're, they puff a lot. So yeah. this, this entrepreneur who owned a, you know, local Chinese restaurant in Montreal decided to do the opposite. And one of the principles I talk about in the book is break it to fix it. And break it to fix it is all around examining conventional wisdom and sort of sticking your finger in the eye, you know, flipping it upside down. I actually, there's a term I use called judo flipping. So doing the opposite of what others do. So this entrepreneur, instead of boasting about how great everything is at perfection, on the menu, next to every menu item, there's something that says owner's notes. And he has these hysterically funny like truthful comments about the food. For example, um, yeah, this one is just not my favorite compared to our other dish. It's not that good. Or another one is, yeah, because of this dish, I gained at least five pounds. Or the other one is like, hey, this is a safe choice, but you know, if, if that's the way you roll, okay, fine. But you'd probably, you know, if you're adventurous, you'd try something else. And so it's sort of like this funny mocking tone. Meanwhile, the food is like identical to every, every other restaurant. What ends up happening? The firm stands out from the competitive set. Everybody loves it. They've got 10 times the number of Yelp reviews. The restaurant is always full. And so in that case, it wasn't a billion dollar idea. It didn't create a massive, you know, world changing thing. But that guy's restaurant is full every single day because he used a little creativity to make it stand out from the competitive set. So as we think about that in the, in the car wash space, I love that because I, I think that there are lots of things that we think about, oh, we should be doing this. We need to do this. We need to do, 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 do. But yeah, what are the things that we're not doing? What's that negative space look like that we can kind of explore and play in and, and be comfortable with playing in that space, right? I mean, it's okay. Like that restaurant, he might've tried it and it might've failed, but guess what? He would've known real quick that it failed and he could have altered course and kind of adapted. So, and then, you know, nothing, nothing hurt, right? So I think in the, in the car wash space, one of the things that folks kind of struggle with is um, we're kind of go, 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 go. And that's true of kind of any entrepreneurial space. How do or how much time is maybe required to like focus on this and to sit down and be really intentional about making um, the space to be creative? It's a really good question. So most of us spend our professional lives in what I would describe as heads down time. 
Mm. Heads down time is working in the business, getting the results done, getting our to-do list completed. Nothing wrong with that. We need that. But I think we owe it to ourselves to have a little heads up time also. And a good benchmark that I like is about 5%. It doesn't always have to be 5%, but but just follow along the math for a second. You say, what's 5% of a 40-hour week? It's two hours a week. And so you say, okay, well, what would it look like if I spent two hours a week instead of being heads down, being heads up? And schedule it like it's a real important meeting and you can't move it. And 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 in that time, you can practice some idea, ideation techniques or you can, you can look around at other possibilities. You can look at adjacent industries and find things that you can borrow and bring back to the car wash industry. And what I've done all, all around the world over the last several years is I've issued people a 5% challenge. I say, just try this for 30 days. Stop at 30 days. Just try it for 30 days. Here's what I hear back. First thing I hear back is the first week is weird. You feel like you're 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 frivolous. Like, oh my God, I'm gonna get caught, like I'm cheating on my spouse or something. <laughs> but but by the end of it, people report back the following. They say, number one, a zero percent drop in productivity. Zero. Magically, 40 hours get smushed into 38 hours, no one misses a beat. Yeah. But then this this remaining five percent becomes this wonderful gift to the organization, to people personally, and and they end up reporting back that it's been the most productive time <clears throat> that they've spent in the last ten years. So I would just say you don't have to commit to something forever. Try it for thirty days. Try a couple hours a week for thirty days and see what you think. But my hunch is that you will find that to be wildly productive. Well, and it helps. I think that what a couple of things here. So what, number one, blocking that time and making that an important thing and treating it like it's important. Um, is huge because it's really easy to just say, oh, that was my think time. I'll just, I got, I got to take care of something else. Oh, there's this fire I got to deal with. I think make, making it important, super huge. I think the other thing that comes up a lot for people is there's no, there's, there's no separation between like when that work day is going to end and when you're going to go home and just kind of be with yourself and be with your people. And I think that oftentimes we think that, well, that's my time to think. I'll just use that time. But that's not, I mean, that's not great. I mean, that doesn't make you show up the next day any any better than you were the day before. So I think being able to kind of work that into uh, a structured kind of time that you're working on the business is super important to just <laughs> for everybody's sanity. It gives you it gives you years on on the end of your life, I think. You know, what's funny is that we all crave innovation. We all crave growth. We all crave, you know, sustainable competitive advantage. But when we're so busy doing the work, we, it's hard to, to find any of those things. And um, how many times have you ever you know, heard, oh, well, I was in the shower. I came up with this great idea. Or I was on a vacation with my family and I was walking in the woods and, you know, eureka. But, but when was the last time you heard someone say, all right, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm responding to email and the phone's ringing and I got voicemail and my boss is yelling at me and I'm updating my Facebook page and, and bam, I'm hit with a lightning bolt of inspiration. Yeah. That's happened like zero times in the history of the universe. So I think we owe it to ourselves. If we can be inspired in a shower, why can't we be inspired in other parts of life if we just give ourselves a little space to breathe? Yeah, and be okay with that. You got to get get comfortable with not having anything to, to, to like do, right? Your list is not in front of you. Just relax. And if you need a list, I mean, heck, make a list. <laughs> Put it down. Say, think, list 10 ways that, you know, competitor Y is better than better than what you're doing today. Whatever. Like, just work into it. Just the point is here, friends, get, like, get started. If you don't get started, nothing's ever going to happen. You know, a good way to get started, by the way, is when, when we think, again, of innovation, it feels like so overwhelming, out of reach, yeah. because we think that our job is to solve all the world's problems all at once with the perfect <laughs> idea. And, and most of us freeze when the, when the stakes are that high. You know, take any challenge. Take, take uh, I don't know, um, political strife in the United States. Yeah. So, yeah, try solving that with one idea. Good luck with that. <laughs> so what we do is we freeze. But instead of, of putting that much pressure on ourselves, you might 
reframe the problem. You might say, instead of how can I solve it all at once, you might say, what are some little steps that I could take that might improve the situation? And when you're challenging yourself to come up with these little baby steps, not trying to solve it all at once, your creativity just starts to flow mm -hmm. because you remove the, the, weight, the weightiness of trying to fix it with a silver bullet. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like steps to the question I just asked you, right? Like, what are some steps to get started thinking creatively? Well, one thing is make the meeting important. That's a small thing. You can do that. You can put it on your calendar. What else? I, you can bring a notebook and you can you can write down five things. Uh, that's a little thing. You can do that. So yeah, that's cool. I like I love that advice because we do <laughs> we do think that like ah we got to hit the bullseye this time. We got to we got to nail it. It's got to be one thing. And the reality is with everything that it's the cumulative effect that has the most impact. So that's great. That's great advice. I, I am, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, t I'm going to go take, you know, my next two hours and spend it being creative, right? That's, the <laughs> that's the lesson I learned. Love it. You know, the other thing too, is that when, you know, traditional brainstorming is really flawed. So brainstorming, by oh. the way, was invented in 1958, and you know it's time for an upgrade. And and the problem with brainstorming is that fear creeps in. So for some reason, when we brainstorm, we're, we're suggesting an idea, and then we become responsible for it. So what happens mm. is people share their safe ideas, hold their big crazy ideas back because they don't want to look foolish or be held in 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 bad standing with their boss or whatever. There's lots of techniques that I share in the book, and I'll share obviously at, at our upcoming session that will um, they'll help people come up with better ideas faster. But one of the simplest ever is just put the word "what if" in front of your ideas. So let's say you and I are doing a brainstorm session, and I say, "Oh, well, we should paint the car wash uh, black and put disco balls in there and make it feel like a 1970s disco." <laughs> if I suggest that idea, now I'm almost like I'm endorsing it, and what if it's wrong, and what does that mean to my career, and blah blah blah. So again, we, we I might hold that idea back. But if, if you just start each set to each each idea with what if, you're not endorsing it. It's almost like you have an instant hall pass, your you're get out of jail free card, because you're not saying we should do this. You're saying, hey, what if we do that? You're just asking a question. What if we made the, the, the whole car wash have like a 1970s disco, disco theme? You know, what if we used aromatherapy in the middle of a car wash? What if we had a thing where people's cars were going through, people could get a, a shoulder massage and relieve tension <laughs> or whatever? So I'm not, again, I'm not endorsing these ideas. I'm not saying I've already run the math and like it's a good investment. I'm just speculating. And but when when you do that, you take the fear away. The pressure goes away to generate the perfect idea, and you can get on with the fun and hard work of, of generating some fun, uh, so, some more productive, creative ones. Do you think, Josh, do you think that that, I mean, I'm, I have a bias here. I know what I think. But do you think that if, by saying things out loud like that, you know, what if we insert insert idea, does that disarm some of the some of the dream crushers out there? Like if you're, if I'm having a conversation with maybe my superior and I'm bringing that idea to the table, I say, what if blank, does that help disarm? It completely helps disarm. And, and that's one of the things that I really focus on are techniques. Another fun one, just since we're wrapping on techniques for a minute is, yeah. um, so you have a brainstorm session. The goal is to come up with good ideas, pres presumably, but again, <laughs> the pressure and the fear and all this stuff. Here's a fun one. I call it the bad idea brainstorm. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's a two parts session. So the first thing, you're like, hey, how can we drive more uh, more revenue per hour at our car wash? Well, instead of trying to come up with good ideas, set a timer for like 10 minutes and have everybody come up with every bad idea they could think of. Oh, we could kidnap people at the bank and take them over to the car wash. <laughs> oh, we could give away car washes for free. You know, come up with terrible ideas and, and really try to come up with awful illegal, immoral, doesn't matter. Come up with bad ideas. And what happens is, by the way, the energy is really high. Everyone's laughing. The whiteboards are filled with bad ideas. 
Now, crucially, you're not going to do the bad ideas. Then after the timer expires, you just go examine the bad ideas and say, wait a minute, is there a kernel in there in any of these where mm. we could flip it? We could do a legit flip and make the bad idea a good idea. So instead of kidnapping people at the bank to bring them to your car wash, you might say, hey, maybe we could come up with a partnership with, with the bank that's down the block. And every time someone gets a deposit slip, they get a little thing on the back of the deposit slip where they get a discount off their car wash. So what happens is that usually we're held back by the gravitational force of fear and incrementalism. When you do this bad idea brainstorm, it forces you to push your creative thinking all the way to the edge. Too far, of course. But then I'd rather you have to ratchet that back a little bit to reality than have to fight gravity. And it's again, it's a very fun and easy technique to bust through those those things that normally hold us back. That's that's fantastic. Like I, I was just thinking about the um, the times that I've worked with some of the vendors that I use for different design projects and magazine layout and those kinds of things. And it's so much easier to pull that creativity or the the wild design back in than it is to say to get a proof of something and look at it and go ah oh, you need to be more creative <laughs> like you need to be you need to try something different like because they already have a, they already have their mentality but if you say look go go wild like have at it make it whatever you think looks cool and then we'll like we'll ideate we'll we'll design think around that and we'll make sure that it works and i find that inevitably you get 10 times better results by letting letting people really like embrace it and go for it and then pulling it back as opposed to being like, here are, here are our very strict guidelines that you must stay within in this box. And then you get something that you don't like and you're like, ah, oh, I wish it was cooler. And it just doesn't work that way. Uh, I want to talk about yes. And I want to know, I want to know where you are on this because it's like a traditional, like kind of an improv thing. And, uh, you see it in a lot of business circles about doing this exercise of yes. And are you a, are you a fan of that? Or do you feel like that's old school? So for those that don't know what you're referring to, yes and, you're right, is a technique used in improv comedy. And so you're you're trying to come up with ideas, you're building a story, and I might tell something, but instead of you saying no but, you say yes and, you're sort of building on my idea in a non-judgmental way and to see where this leads. I'm actually a fan of it because I think that often we tend to shoot down initial ideas rather than trust the idea that might lead to the idea or the idea that leads to another idea which leads to another idea. And I hearken this back to my days playing jazz music. Jazz is a very improvisational art form. Yeah. And, and what jazz is, it's really a collaboration. So let's say you and I were playing a gig together and I, I played a little riff on the guitar and it wasn't very good, but it was something new. And, and you were playing bass, you take it and, and build on that. And then the drummer hears it and grabs a little bit of that rhythm on the cymbal. And then the sax player overhears this whole thing and, and takes it from there and rips a killer solo and to the delight of, of a standing ovation crowd. Well, you might say, well, who invented that solo? And really, it was all of us. That yeah. is yes and happening in musical terms. And so I love the idea of building from one idea to the next. Instead of, instead of becoming the idea police and shooting each other's ideas down, why not lift them up and get the energy flowing? Because it's not every idea doesn't have to be perfect. Often, quantity drives quality. And so yeah. rather than, than, than repressing it, let, let's build upon it. Yeah, that, you, you touched on a key word there, energy, right? Like nothing, nothing sucks the energy out of a room quicker than you know, the one person in the front of the room saying, uh, yeah, I don't know. We tried that before. It's not going to work or no, that's going to cost a lot of money. That sounds like a lot of work. That just, I mean, goodness, talk about, talk about, a, uh, a crummy culture. Um, I want to, I want to shift gears for sure. Yeah. I want to, I want to shift, I want to shift gears a little bit. You are obviously, um, you've been studying creativity for a long time. Um, you've been a successful entrepreneur, a successful author. Um, I want to know, what you've seen 
happen as money comes into industries. So obviously the car wash industry is hot right now. Um, some people have said to me, I'm concerned that as all this money is coming in, we're going to lose that innovation out the back. What, what have you seen in your experience? You know, I, I, so I'm a tech entrepreneur, and I would I would say that in technology anyway, it's the opposite. Yeah. So when a lot of technology pours into social media, for example, or a lot of money comes into social media, doesn't mean that people start becoming less innovative. Uh, what you see is actually, funny enough, that those that receive the money sometimes actually slow down their innovation because they get all you know, fat, dumb, and happy, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but the ones that don't, now you've got a bigger target. And so, so, you know, what happens, for example, if a big investment comes into a mobile app company, all the other mobile app companies that didn't get investment become really hungry and really scrappy and really creative. So I don't think that money is the, and, and resources are evil at all. I think they can spur activity, certainly can, can help you afford talent. Um, but I don't think that it's, it's either a net, um, it, it's a game changer either way. I don't think it's a big win. I don't think it's a big loss because I think there's other factors to consider. And those other factors are really, you know, can we create a culture that supports yeah. responsible risk-taking? Can we give people the tools and frameworks they need to tap into this, this this natural resource that we all have, bring it to the surface and let it run? Can we let, Let's talk culture real quick, um, because I think that's key here. You said, how can we create culture? Um, how do we, in our business, make a culture that can support this kind of creative thinking and this creative ideation and this, this approach? I write about this a lot and I've written about this for years. There are a number of things that leaders can do to create an innovative culture. You know, one of them is, is create rituals and rewards that support the creative process. You know, if mm -hmm. you want people to be creative and you just stick a sign on the lobby, say, go be creative, but then you yell at people when they come up with a half-baked idea, like yeah. you're, you're, you're killing creativity. So we have to remove the fear. We have to make it a safe zone where people can be creative. Um, I think giving people annual targets and rewards on it. You know, if you say to someone, listen, you know, 30% of your bonus is going to be tied to the number of ideas you generate, people mm -hmm. are going to generate a bunch of ideas. So I think that that's, that's a crucial thing. But one thing that's just free and easy to do, I've, a, I've been a big fan of changing people's titles. So okay. whatever your title is, what if you just added the word artist? So instead of car wash owner, you're a car wash artist. Yeah. What if, you know, you're a mechanical line inspector, you're a mechanical artist. And so when you think about art, the first image in your mind is someone painting on a canvas. But when you really look deeper, art is simply the intersection of skill, which everyone already has or they wouldn't be, you know, a part of this group, and, and creativity, which is imagining not just what is, but what's possible. So if for me, whether you have 10 employees or 10,000 employees, why not make everybody an artist? Doesn't yeah. mean they're going to be irresponsible. Doesn't mean they're going to do use bad judgment. But why not think of people as, as an artist? And I think just the, the terminology alone will help reframe people's thinking, saying, look, this is part of the job. We got your back. You know, we, we understand you're going to make some mistakes, but, but part of your job is to be an everyday innovator. Let's innovate together. Yeah, two of my favorite things. One, one is incent the behaviors you want to, you really want to see, <laughs> and and two is that words matter, friends. Words do matter, indeed. Um, Josh, I'm going to let you get back to it. I've got one more question for you, though, um, before I let you go be more creative. Um, I like to ask everybody, what's one thing that I can do today to be better tomorrow? And you can take this any direction you want. Um. We could write books and books on this. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fabulous <laughs> question. And, um, you know, I think maybe just staying in the, in the lane of creativity for a minute. 
Um, you know, I, maybe you know, take take a second to close your eyes and think back when you were in kindergarten. There's no such thing as a non-creative kindergartner. Zero, like 100% of kindergartners are creative. What happens is over the years, through our you know well-intentioned, I'm sure bosses and teachers and parents, we we sort of grow out of our creativity instead of growing into it. So maybe it's reconnecting to that that wonder-like spirit that we had as a kid. Now, again, not doing irresponsible things, but using that creativity really productively to drive meaningful progress in our in our car washes. And maybe just take a minute to say, you know what? I'm an artist. I'm an innovator. I don't have to only do what's written on the page. I, I can draw outside the lines a bit. And I just think having just the mere recognition that each of us can find room for creativity, um, just that, that's a really liberating uh, insight. And I think that's, that's a good step to get rolling. That's great advice. Great advice. Friends, uh, it's, been a, it's been a true, true pleasure to be able to share some of Josh Linkner's story with you. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Matt, thank you. Keep doing great work out there. Hey, if you are listening to this or watching this, wherever you might be, uh, you can get more great stories, more great ideas, and more great inspiration at carwashmagazine.com or subscribe at Carwash the Podcast anywhere you are consuming your podcast content. And friends, until next time, when you're out there killing it, washing cars, and being creative, there's just one thing you've got to do, and that is keep it clean. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.